Welcome back to another episode on. of Ganger Artane. I just jumped in. Jay has no clue what's happening. Okay. <laughs> if we don't press record, we're not going to do it. So I've learned that about us. That's true. But, you're very yeah. wise. Okay. You're wise beyond your years. We can, well, let, let's do. Let's let's break the ice a little bit here first okay. because there's been a major development since. I, I listened to our podcast last night, Christy, that we did a couple of weeks ago and we thought Jeff was having the baby and he wasn't quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> so congrats, Jeff. Jeff's the dad. Thank you. June 15th. Um, yeah, I'm learning how inconsistently consistent kids are. So what do you mean? They don't like wake I, up I think at you the same time and eat at the same consistently time. Consistently inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Is Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, they do not know Christy as much as I would love, you know, uh, they are programmable, you know, or configurable that they, you know, uh, can wake up at the same time every day. Atomic habits to Caleb at night. Maybe that's, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that way he knows how to structure his routine and his day to develop the habits that will make him the best child for you, Jeff. He's, he's, um, you know, he's not quite there yet. He's, he's still just trying to figure out how to make sure he can go to the bathroom in an appropriate manner and uh you know how he can uh just make sure his bodily functions are are on par so his operational cadence yeah has he got all his fingers though like has he has he started to do things like that oh yeah he's um he's he's starting to pick up things across the room i mean it's three weeks in you know but he's starting to pick up things across the room uh noises he's starting to use his hands um loves kicking his feet so He's a, um, he's been pretty fun. So, you know, other than the lack of sleep, I will say it's been, been pretty cool. Been a, a pretty amazing experience to be a part of. So just to say your expectations appropriately, I don't think I slept well for like the first 10 years after my son was born. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, what? I had to see better than, than my kids were. So. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did, um, I did pick up from Atomic Habits is uh, if you read that book, the thing he says, is you you basically have to repeat to yourself the future version of yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. if you if you essentially um, want to work out every morning, you have to talk to yourself every day saying like, yes, I am the type of person that is going to wake up tomorrow morning and work out and like convince yourself that's the person you have to be. I've convinced myself that I'm a person that I can survive on less than eight hours of sleep and uh, I can be interrupted. And so I'm starting to believe that, although coffee uh, intake is up like 5X and that's the, pretty much the only way I, I think I'm getting through days right now. Well, it sounds like you're doing the best you can and it doesn't sound like you are in any position that any other new parent hasn't been in. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, my, that's the good news. My, my, yeah, that's going to fall on deaf ears, right? Um, but yeah, it's been fun. So just trying to figure out a routine in the mornings. Um, and otherwise, he's cute and he's going to run the he's going to run our days for the foreseeable future. All right. Yep. Thank you for that. What do we so this morning we hopped on Christy just threw out a topic. So, Christy, I'm going to let you um, throw it out again. And then let's start, start going down. All right. Awesome. Um, I, I've been chatting with a lot of people about what do we do now that we are entering this recession, right? We're hearing from a lot of our customers. We're watching things on LinkedIn, but 
teams are, are contracting, right? We're seeing folks getting laid off. Um, I just was speaking with a, a dear friend of mine, 30% of his company was just let go, uh, yes. including himself as part of that. And this is a, a hyper growth, well-funded startup. Um, and so it was really shocked to hear that and, and disappointed for him and a lot of the folks that were part of that. We're seeing budgets be frozen, hiring frozen, right? So, but the reality of it is all these teams, we still have the same number of customers, right? At, at least for the foreseeable future, we still have that same number. And so we've got to figure out how do we do the same at least, right? With sometimes less. And so we've been trying to get more creative with thinking through our programs and, and just how we think about, you know, our, our leverage ratios and, and supporting our customers. So I think it could be a fun topic for us to discuss today, because I'm sure uh, there are tons of companies that are, are thinking through the same challenges and preparing for what's about to happen. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, Jay, and uh, I know you get to talk to a lot of customers. Is this has this come up recently for you and any any conversations, um, you know, with customers or anybody that you've just interacted with? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of it on on LinkedIn, but I think it gets um, amplified there, right? It um, it does not surprise me that we're seeing this because people have raised a lot of money. Valuations are upside down. They're burning cash faster than they're making it, and now it it's just a reckoning. It's going to be harder to raise money, and because it's harder to raise money like here, here we are. Right. And you have to cut your burn and that's what's, what's happening. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we've seen it yet in the, in the buying cycles. I think we're, we're seeing that there's definitely more scrutiny happening. Okay. CFOs are getting in, involved with, with buying decisions. Procurement is pushing a little harder just to tighten the screws a little bit more. Um, but in general, you know, for our business, at least, which is only one data point, we're, we're not seeing, the, you know, this impact our, our new, our new sales or our retention. In fact, you know, I think the type of solution that you're selling right now, obviously will make a difference in, in turn is, is your solution something that can help a company scale and run more efficiently? Um, or is it, or is it a solution that's a nice to have? And that that's a, obviously a tougher place to be at this juncture, but you know, I, I'm, I haven't had any conversations specifically that indicate that, you know, with, with a lot of our customers that they're laying people off or, or having to, to, um, to, to let anybody go, but they are putting their future hiring plans on hold. Right. And they're going to grow a little bit more responsibly moving forward is the sense that I'm getting. Yeah. I think I've seen, um, similar, so I won't repeat what you both have said, I think I've seen, seen it around. Uh, so Christy, what's, what's kind of the, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of uh, a CS leader that's out there, you know, in a company that could potentially, you know, be freezing hiring or be, you know, lay, laying people off. Maybe there is some CS people that are part of that. Um, you know, what, what comes to mind for you in terms of just kind of protecting what you got? How do you think about, you know, the kind of the first move that you'd make? So, there's two things that we're doing kind of in parallel right now. The first was yesterday in our, our team meeting, we've actually encouraged all of our CSMs to actually proactively go and have those conversations with each of our customers. Mm -hmm. Just understand how are they preparing? What are they seeing? Because we want to learn from each of our customers and their businesses. 
we feel like the more informed we are, the we can react and respond as good partners. And so if we hear, you know, some of them, some of our customers are growing tremendously and this is a great time for them. And so we're not trying to make pricing concessions there and, and, and modify contracts and things for those customers. We want to grow with them. And so those are different conversations, but for the ones where we are seeing freezes and concerns there and budget constraints, you know, we're trying to get creative because we know that they will not be successful without a solution like ours in place and, or as successful. So we're trying to do creative things with them as we're learning these things. But from a program standpoint, we're trying to figure out how do we do more with what we have, right? And so this is where we're trying to get more creative with our scaled approach. And we think about scale, right? It's like, how do we think about, you know, community initiatives, right? Um, how are we thinking about automation? How are we thinking about our program design, um, our our documentation, right? Just anything that can help us empower our customers to drive value from the partnership with minimal manual support. Um, and so that we feel like as we continue to bring on more customers, even if we can't grow our team exponentially, it will still hopefully at least minimally allow them to continue to get the same experience and same value that they're getting today. So that's where we're really trying to get creative is just in program design. But we want to design that with our, our customers at the center of it. So the conversations are also helping us inform what we need to do and how to do it. Yeah, I think that the thing that comes to mind for me, and it I think you had touched on it a couple points in your uh, as you were just talking, Christy, is that you don't want to bury your head in the sand. You know, you don't want to just um, <clears throat> kind of not see what's happening and actually just call it out. Right. I think sometimes calling out the elephant in the room is um, better. And in this case, too, like this actually reminds me, right, we were in a similar position <clears throat> just two or three years ago when the, right. when the pandemic started. And so acknowledging that, right, bringing that back up, uh, making sure, you know, we understand this is different, right? This is, um, the, uh, situation is different. Although the outcomes, you know, might be this, um, uh, in terms of what people are doing certain actions are taking, but so I think just kind of acknowledging that, but the thing that comes to mind for me too, that resonated when you were talking was like the idea of how, how can I help my customers? It's by most likely talking to more customers and figuring out what are others doing? And then how can I synthesize that into content? How can I bring those people together? Um, how can we share, you know, actual best practices about what, what decisions businesses are making, why they're making them. Uh, so the more information that we can gather in that way and share with our other customers, I think it's um, a huge benefit of, of, you know, having a customer base and being able to tap into it. So um, I picked that up from what you're, you were talking about um, in there a little bit. Christy, do you see your customers implementing more scaled programs now? As yeah. A result? I mean, uh, you know, full transparency, right? Client success was designed as a white glove kind of support platform. Um, so most of our customers aren't dealing with the long tail, um, but as our customers customers evolve, we are seeing more of a need for that. So our platform has evolved with more automation and more functionality that supports yeah. that. So I don't know if it's a cause or effect, right? Like, because we've added more functionality, yes, our customers are now taking advantage of yeah. that and trying to implement more of those programs. So I don't know if it's because our platform now offers it or because their strategy requires it. Um, but either way, yes. Um, you know, yesterday uh, I led, I kicked off our, our newest series of our CS leadership bootcamp for client success. And the whole topic was around scaled programs and how to think about them, how to build them and where to start, right? Because you don't need to, 
think about a huge full built out program that kind of drives automation at every touch point, but what are the areas or buckets where you can focus on doing more to support your customers at scale? Um, and so that was a really interesting conversation. And, and the, the chat during the bootcamp was on fire the entire time because everyone seemed to be trying to figure out how to solve this problem, right? Like because of this, hey, listen, I was just told the three head counts that I thought I got approved for, we can't get them. Right. And so great, I still have to do these things for my customers. I don't know where to start. So it's a lot of just solving these small, I don't want to say like micro problems, but like not yeah. trying to think about building a big scaled program where we're gonna have like full tech touch. And I feel like that's what people think of when they yep. hear scale, but it's as simple as like, listen, I love when you guys kicked off office hours, right? Like how can yeah. you bring a concept like that into your business? How do you, you know, create a, a small community group with your power users, um, right? Like do, um, do more webinars, create better content, right? Product videos and, and vignettes and tutorials, things like that. Asynchronous communication. Um, all of those things are part of what we're designing here to help support scale. And I think that's what I was trying to introduce is that scale is not just for your small customers and you that's don't right. need a baked program to drive value for your customers. And so there's a lot that we could be doing and with minimal overhead and really minimal cost, honestly. Yeah. You just said everything that I wanted to say. Well, <laughs> I mean, you really did. Like <laughs> the, it, it, the, the biggest point there, the thing I'll pull out of what you said is it's not just for small customers, right? Mm-hmm. People look at what, what you just described as community from my point of view yeah. and building community around your product and around this industry. Any software company can do that. The reality is I believe that most customers they get value from talking to our team, particularly around nuances of how our products work and how to configure them, like some of the more technical complexities. The opportunity we have is to connect them with each other better so that they feel like they have peers that you introduce them to that they can rely on to ask questions, not only about the software and the technology, which they could ask their CSM as well. CSM should have a broad purview based on the number of customers they work with and the the breadth that they get to see in all those different scenarios. But at the end of the day, to have a peer that is sitting in the same seat as yours is really important. And if you could be a facilitator at this point in time, at any point in time to bring those people together, that is community and then give them a place in a set of channels where they can exchange those ideas. Sometimes it's a Slack channel. Sometimes it's a, it's an actual community. Sometimes it's a live small group. Uh, we just launched office hours for one of our customer segments, Christy, to your point. And we wanted to be very deliberate in terms of what that was. So we actually didn't pull our product people into it. We did not pull our technical support people into it. It's all about industry connection and best practice for this particular group. Um, and our CSMs run it. I think there's a skill set that customer success teams have to start building right now, which is programmatic, it, it, almost marketing style. I say that often here, but marketing style engagement with your customers where you're touching more more than one of them at a time, maybe not all of them at the same time, but in smaller groups, because that's where the magic is going to happen. That's what I was just going to mention too, is that I think one of the things that I would evaluate if I was a CS leader right now, you know, things potentially could be happening in our company is um, how do I 
how do I find these skill sets that I know I'm going to need? It's either in the team that I have today, or I'm going to have to, you know, find somebody, um, you know, kind of across the organization, maybe repurpose what their role is, but it's got to be somebody who can think about content and, or like, think about these programmatic campaigns that they can run. So um, I do think like the skill set is slightly different as you start thinking about this, you know, it's not just a CSM um, kind of yep. rinse and repeat, you know, one-to-one type connection uh, that you're looking for. Maybe that's a better way to put it, Jeff, is that it's not just a CSM. CSMs I've, I've found are much more tuned for high touch interaction. I think in most cases, unless you deliberately hire a role that has, you know, programmatic marketing kind of um, one to many communications in the job description, I think it, it's it's going to be more geared toward that. So it's a matter of hiring the right people too, not just changing the the profile of the people that you have, because that's that's a difficult shift for some people to make. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I agree. This is why I've been on my soapbox telling everybody to go hire customer marketing uh, over customer ops a little bit. Uh, just because I, not that I saw this coming, but it definitely the value you get from that role, I think exponentially uh, improves your customer's experience and the value they get from the partnership. Christy, we talked a little bit about kind of the people side, you know, trying to find this customer marketing role, potentially kind of thinking about the skill set for programmatic type campaigns. Um, is there anything that you, I know you kind of mentioned, Hey, you know, encouraging your CSMs to go have conversations with your customers, but are there other things that you would be maybe as a leader, as you start thinking about, um, you know, upcoming renewals, gross retention or net retention type figures that you have to hit for the rest of the year? Like, how are you, um, either preparing your like fellow executive leaders, you know, about, are those numbers going to go up, down, like, what are they going to do? And then how are you maybe, um, thinking about getting an updated or getting an accurate forecast on those things right now. Hey, think dynamics have changed. How do you think about going to, to kind of get some of that data at your fingertips? I don't know if anything comes to mind for you there. I mean, I think there's a, a few things. One, you know, we, because of our, our growth model right now is primarily based on license expansion, right? So teams hiring more CSMs. Well, yeah. if they're not hiring more CSMs, mm-hmm. um, because there's freezes or even if they're contracting teams and there's layoffs, right? We've got to account for that because that's going to impact, even if we get renewals, right? They're not going to be flat. They're not going to have growth on them. Um, They might actually be moving backwards. And so first thing we're doing is we're working with our product team to see what products that we have on our roadmap can we modulize to actually use for for upsell and cross-sell? Primarily what we used to do is just build things into the product and make it part of the platform. So we're trying to get creative with like what other offerings can we have where maybe we have a freemium version of it where you get like a limited amount to to play with it, use something. uh, And then how can you grow into it where that would obviously increase growth opportunities for us as a business. Thinking through things like that. Um, The second thing that we're doing is we are starting conversations even sooner than we had been before. So we are, we usually typically run our renewal process about 120 days out. We're now starting at six months out. And it's really with the intentions of helping our customers preserve technology that we believe will help them through whatever this recession will look like for them, right? We do believe that if our customers are using our software effectively, they can do more with less. And so we do think of it as a need to have and a nice to have. We believe that our customers who have heavily adopted it feel the same. So we're starting the process earlier to just get ahead of any risk there. Um, The third thing we're doing is we're actually preparing for any concessions. And so 
what we're doing is instead of having my team come to me every time they need approval on things, we're coming up with a grid saying like, okay, if your customers need X, here's what we can do. Right. So just predefined creative terms and conditions that allow our customers to keep the partnership intact uh, while also working with where they are economically. So those are some of the three things that we're doing kind of right now. Um, those will likely evolve. And then in terms of just communicating internally, I mean, I think we're all on the same page as a leadership team, which is really nice, is that everyone understands what's happening and the dynamic of it. We're all doing our part. Now, I know Jay mentioned earlier that he's not seeing any impact on pipeline right now for you guys, which is great. I'll tell you like we are seeing uh, a decrease there. And so we're feeling it already. Now, not to a point where we're concerned about the sustainability of our business, but pipeline numbers aren't as high as they had been previously, right? They haven't dropped off a cliff, but there's definitely a decrease there that we're paying close attention to. So we're thinking through what is going to be the material impact of that to our business as well. So I think we're just having the appropriate conversations and very honest dialogue about it. And then just trying to figure out as individual teams, what can we do to sustain and figure out creative ways to, to continue to maintain the business? Yeah. I love those. I'm just going to repeat them just because I think they were really good. So first you said you were trying to, you know, work with the product team, figure out, Hey, um, how can we think about the future modules that we're going to come out with? How do we think about the upsell and cross-sell potential of those? Um, Probably even getting down into, Hey, let's do some analysis. Like which customers do we think are right for these certain modules, right? Can we, can we even look at some of those things to help us get some of the metrics out? Uh, Second thing that you mentioned was, um, Oh no, I just blanked on it. Renewal. Renewal. Uh, going six months out instead of 120 days out. Uh, and then the third thing that you um, had just mentioned was getting creative on terms, which I think was actually something that came out of the pandemic as well. Um, you know, a couple of years ago that we had noticed was, hey, can we give our CSMs kind of the lanes to operate within and just say, hey, if it's within this, right, this is a, a comfortable place for us. You know, we don't always want to be doing this, but here, here are some guidelines so you can move faster. You can make decisions. You feel empowered to do this with your customers. So um, I love those three things. And then, you know, the the point that you mentioned too, just about the um, engagement with your other, you know, fellow executives, right? Everyone's on the same page. Um, and also I think like what one thing that I've noticed is just um, with these types of communication tools like Slack and email and all these types of things, right? It's really easy to, keep everybody informed. Um, and so I always think about, you know, Hey, what's the right thing? What's the right type of cadence? What's the right type of messaging to have? Um, so I think about, you know, what am I sending if, uh, kind of once a day or once a week that, you know, is helping to helping with the flow. So everybody knows kind of where we are, where we stand. Um, you know, and sometimes you don't want to cause panic. You don't want to create a, a, you know, a ton of additional work for yourself, but at the same time, if you can keep everybody informed at the right level, then everybody can be thinking, one to two steps ahead, just like you are, right? Um, the more that you kind of leave them in the dark, then it, it's a, a challenge. So um, I liked all the points that you you called out there. One one other thing, or, or one thing that I was thinking about too, you know, as you think about um, your business and um, things that might be happening in terms of uh, potential layoffs or, you know, hey, we're not hiring in the future, is I think you have to also get very comfortable as a leader of assessing your team's skills and understanding what is what is going to be needed and necessary for the next number of months. And then just going and having conversations with your individual CSMs, um, I think during your one-on-ones or whatever it might be, hopefully you're already doing this, but I just think if you're going into the pandemic or going into this situation that we're in now, you know, with a, a kind of a pullback in the markets, then I think you also have to sit there and say, okay, um, 
what are the types of things that we know we're going to are going to have to happen hey we're going to have difficult conversations with customers over the years we're going to need to be really uh, strategic and understand you know how they're making decisions in their business and maybe the third thing that we're looking at is hey there's going to be some negotiation there's going to be some concessions here and maybe those are the three points that uh, i want to assess some of my team on just be honest and start saying hey here are the three types of conversations i think we're going to have you know christy you're really great at these two out of the three. The third one, I really want to make sure we're we're talking about regularly. How do we, you know, strategize together? How do we think about talk tracks? How do we think about making you feel comfortable in that situation? So, uh, I just think there's going to be a ton of these conversations that happen. And so, if you can help assess your team, it's gonna, it's just gonna go a long way. Um, if you can find people on your team that do one really well, have them train the others, right? Like just trying to be really scrappy here um, and understanding that. You know, resources might be a challenge for you. Getting new resources uh, might be a challenge for you. So just, you know, you got to figure out what you've got um, on your team already. Yeah, I mean, what we've, I mean, honestly, listen, our team is not huge. So we've had to get, uh, I think we honed in on making sure that we had diversity of skills and experience across the board. Yeah. And so we just made a, a, a new hire not that long ago who's got a very specific skill set that's going to help us kind of, shift around some of our accounts and think about how we manage things differently, who will be working on some of our, our smaller emerging customers, as well as helping with onboarding. We've got somebody else on our team who really loves content creation and is really good at creating videos and loves to lead webinars and doing all of these things as well. So we're letting her lean into that. Uh, we've got other folks who are very strategic and actually very technical when it comes to integrations in those parts of our product. So we're thinking about how do we leverage all of those skills because they are kind of unique to each of those individuals, but how do we take that and make sure that all of that goodness is being kind of, uh, carried across the entire customer base and, and allowing them to take on new roles, new scopes and responsibilities as well. So, um, I think it'll, it'll serve, our customers really well and driving more value for each of them with just leveraging them all differently, but then also creating unique and, and new career opportunities for each of these individuals as well, giving the opportunity to try something new. Yeah. The, um, the last point maybe that um, I've been trying to think about the different angles of this, right? I think the last angle that I'm just thinking about too is um, during this time, this might actually tell you how, how great of a sales team you have or how great of a sales leader you have, because um, you know, if you're experiencing a ton of uh, risk and churn right now, um, we probably haven't properly set expectations in the sales cycle. We also probably maybe oversold, uh, you know, we've got something a little bit higher than what they, I mean, it's not all right. There's probably some other, other factors, but I just think also like this is a time when you start to understand, Hey, are we selling the right thing on the front end? Because uh, if you start experiencing a, a bunch of um, downselling, you know, a bunch of churn, then you kind of know, hey, we're we're missing something up front, right? We're missing missing that part of that story, and we're missing part of the um, right sizing and expectations that we would want to see in the sales cycle. So I think this is also a time as you start thinking, like you said, um, our pipeline might be going down, uh, and so if that's the case, then we want to be better than ever at. Are we, are we sizing the deal correctly? Are we giving them the right things at the right times? Um, and so I think that's just another piece, another angle that I'm just thinking about uh, of this is just the sales side um, and how that is impacting CS as well. Yeah, I think we're also trying to make a concerted effort on multi-year deals in a way that we hadn't before, um, just to kind of navigate the next couple of years. So I think we've been historically more comfortable signing more 12 months, which is fine. Um, but as we are thinking through what are the next couple, you know, months and years ahead look like trying to secure more of those and making those, you know, appealing for customers as well. Yep. Um, awesome. All right. 
I have to run because uh, I've got a crying baby and a dog that wants to get out. Uh, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to cut this right now, but I think it's a good ending point. So I think, <laughs> you know, just talking about recession uh, and what's happening in the markets, I think there's a couple of things that all summarize. And then Christy, tell me what I missed. But I think at the beginning, you mentioned, you know, don't bury your head in the sand, come out and have, call the elephant out in the room, have the conversation with your customers uh, and start trying to be a strategic partner, right? Start trying to be part of that conversation because that's um, going to be helpful for you. I think you mentioned there are a couple of things that you're specifically doing um, around that, right? So um, how can we help in the future? How are we thinking about the future product roadmap and how we're thinking about upselling, cross-selling those types of modules to our current customers? Um, how do you think about having the renewals conversations earlier in the cycle um, and making sure that we can get ahead of any potential risk? And then um, how do we make sure, what was the third one? Oh my gosh. We talked about just creating terms and conditions. Oh yeah, terms and conditions. Can feel empowered to yes. use independently, right? Give them some autonomy to move quickly with their customers. Yeah. Those conversations. Um, give give almost your, had uh, it, Jeff. Give your team the lanes to operate with them. So, um, so I think you know a ton of good things in here, though. I mean, I think it's at the end of the day for me. I, I think your ideas um, are things that I'm going to start using as my own. So I appreciate you sharing them. Awesome. Well, listen, good chat. I'll be interested to hear how the community continues to navigate these times. Uh, I'm sure these conversations won't uh, stop here. So I'll be interested to see how they continue. All righty. Cool. It was good to see you after a while. Yeah. All right. Bye, Jeff. Bye, guys. Soon. See ya. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.